Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, CityCast listener. Can you imagine a Houston neighborhood inside the loop that is A, walkable, and B, affordable? Today, I am talking with two guys who aim to create something that radical. Jeffrey Kaplan and Monty Large are principals with the real estate firm Concept Neighborhood. Over the next 10 years, they aim to transform a 17-acre swath just east of downtown, creating a fizzy, vibrant place called the Plant Second Ward. It is Monday, December 5th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Monty, Jeff, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Hi, thanks for having us. Let's start with you, Monty. Paint me a picture. What is the plant second ward? Where is it going to be? What's it going to look like? So I think we can tag team this a little bit, but um, it's mm-hmm. uh, the, there is a, a stop on the green metro rail line called the plant second ward. And really, this is a neighborhood that's being created within a neighborhood. So it's not a, a particular one site. It's kind of a, a series of sites that stretch from basically that stop on the metro rail line, uh, which is about a mile east of downtown Houston, northward along Sampson and Robert Street, incorporating multiple parcels throughout the neighborhood and eventually connect to the uh, Buffalo Bayou to be the trails that are going to be uh, developed along Buffalo Bayou and all the the work that Buffalo Bayou Partnership is is doing um, on Buffalo Bayou. Mm-hmm. So it's about 17 acres and Jeff can kind of take it from there. What's the radical part? Yeah. The, the, well, the vision is that this becomes the most walkable, inclusive neighborhood, you know, in, in, in town. And I, that's a big vision, but we also think yeah, there's, a, there's also not a lot of competition. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we need more right, corridors on. like this. Like we, we want <laughs> yeah. to create an authentic, walkable neighborhood, which we think is, is, is something Houston, the Houston region needs a lot more of. In a city as large as Houston, we deserve to have you know, several neighborhoods where you can walk around and have a playful, spontaneous urban experience. We were with some advisors of ours, an advisor of ours who's an urban planner in town, and you know, we were telling him that there's just, you know, explaining how there's just a scarcity of this sort of connected corridor. And he's like, we really only have like three or four blocks of authentic walkable urbanism. And, you know, those are those the blocks where Mid-Maine and the matches from like Maine and Alabama where Continental Club and Takasagogo goes mm-hmm. to like the match in terms of uh, having a mixture of cool old buildings with new density that's, you know, connected on each block in a transit corridor. Yeah. And so this would be that. But, you know, most of us can't afford to live in that lovely stretch of mid-Maine. And you guys are trying to keep it affordable for the people who already live in that part of Houston, right? Yeah, the, well, the vision is that, you know, the, the housing that is built here is not just fancy Class A apartments. We really are 
you know, programming a mixed bag of, of housing to really appeal to people from, from various income levels. And, and that's also a really important thing to have, you know, a vibrant small businesses in the neighborhood because we, we have done such a good job in our, in our society of, of pushing affordable housing further and further away. So, so workers have to endure the cost of movement that they're not getting paid for. And when gas prices go up, that's a direct hit to them. So we really want to create a neighborhood where we have proximity between where people are working and where they're living. That means that we're doing, a, a, you know, different types of housing, smaller scale, multifamily, some are at what, what you consider 80% average median, median income. Some might be at 60. And we will do some some market rate. What is what is 80% average income in Houston? In Houston, that's like somebody who makes about about $59,000 a year, a little over that. So that's, you know, that's, you know, that's teachers, that's service industry workers. Um, it's people that want to be close in and, and, and often their jobs are close, close in. Yeah. How do you keep a nice new neighborhood from being more expensive than that? Doesn't the market change all of that? Won't richer people want to move in and displace everyone? It's such an important question. And I think there, there are so many lessons learned um, throughout the country and in our own city for what happens if you don't think about the future when you're planning. If, if you don't plan to have inclusive housing, it's very you know, likely that there would be a much greater amount of displacement, but you can't, you can't stop gentrification. And I think it's important to say that like, if we were not here, there would almost certainly be other developers doing work here. So what we're trying to do is think about displacement and think about how we can reduce the amount of displacement as the neighborhood evolves. Mm -hmm. And how can you do that? It's really about thinking about how we can work with the existing community and our neighbors, I've lived in this neighborhood for, for almost a decade. And it's not just a place where we're doing deals. In fact, our company is not really doing anything outside of this walkable corridor today. So it's about, it's about how we can, can create surprising partnerships that don't normally happen in the built environment. And that has to do with the businesses that go into these projects. It has to do with breaking title and having you know different sorts of partnerships with people that don't normally have a voice in commercial, you know, redevelopment projects. And often we'll, we'll help, you know, put teams together with merchants and entrepreneurs from the neighborhood with, you know, with entrepreneurs and partners that have done other projects. So I think it's, it's having, having new voices to represent that commercial experience. And I think from a housing standpoint, you know, it's about thinking about the future. You know, what is the value of all this park and green space, um, um, work that's going to happen. What is that going to do? And you know, you look at the High Line in New York City and what happened there. And there are many examples of how you can think about who is developing these projects. We're we're not going to develop all of this on our own, and most development companies would not. There will be, you know, co-investment, joint venture partnerships with other with other developers. Okay, so you guys control about seventeen acres. Correct. Right? Correct. Of this swath. Okay but it's a much larger neighborhood that you were hoping to change. We just needed to have enough in the neighborhood to spend the next 10 years of our lives, you know, creating what we hope becomes a different template for neighborhood development. But we don't own everything in this neighborhood and we didn't think we, sh- we should. We work for this investment group. It's sort of like an 
Urban Impact Neighborhood Investment Fund. And, and you know, the, the idea was to have a multi-asset fund. So it's not just investing in retail or just in housing. It's really investing in the neighborhood and thinking about how we can uplift the entire neighborhood um, as opposed to just, you know, one project. You guys are for profit. We, we, yeah, we, we are like a for-profit community development investment company. You mentioned, um, Lisa, that we, we hope to change the neighborhood. I think that that's, that's what we hope not to do too much of. So I think that it's a point of clarification. Um, so this project being sort of interwoven within the community that's that exists there. Mm-hmm. So, so currently it is, it's largely a warehouse sort of district. The people who live there right. are mainly Latino. Yeah. Yes. Today right. it's single it's, family it's, houses. Yeah. Working class. Sort of typical mm-hmm. sort of inner suburb uh, Houston. You know, I live in the near north side, which is very similar, you know, warehouses next to houses, next to other warehouses, next to vacant lots. Um, and then there's like these train lines that go through it. It was largely working class from the from the get go um, where train lines you know, delivered goods into downtown Houston and um in and out. I mean, it, today you go through the neighborhood uh, and it's very frustrating for a lot of people because there are so many trains that you get held up on, you know, from the north to the south. And, and so they, they crisscross through yeah. the neighborhood. Yep. This is not, you know, going in and displacing, you know, a bunch of residents. These are, you know, one of our largest site, you know, is this site that we intend to become a, a, a village um, that's sort of at the intersection of where the bike trail hits this abandoned mm-hmm. easement that we hope becomes this linear park tying to the, the, the bayou trails on that eight acre site. Um, there's no one living on that site today. It's um, a current warehouse that has an office in it that we're keeping. And then there's an abandoned food factory. That's, that's just empty. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by window. Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas, you've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So, you're going to be walkable. You're going to be preserving the history. And you're very actively like trying to keep it from becoming a luxury development. How are you going to make money? <laughs> <laughs> well, but first, the best question. But, but, well, first of all, there's there's just a just a, a supply and demand misalignment in Houston. We have a scarcity of authentic walkable neighborhoods, and and you know people travel and go to great cities and have fun walking around exploring neighborhoods and going to cool old buildings and mm-hmm. they come back to Houston and i think a lot of people you know have not realized that it's just a missing component to our built environment and we're a young city so i think we think that like once we have something like this it's going to be valued because there's just you know not there's not a neighborhood in Houston where you can walk around and feel the culture of this city that people like Steven Kleinberg tell us is the most multicultural, one of the most multicultural ever cities in the world. We don't have publicly driven neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And, and this is gift. This is like Monty said, it's very different than a faux urban, you know, mixed use town center type of project. This is about authenticity. And we've torn so many buildings down 
We just think that like there's a need for it. So the demand is going to be so high for these non-luxury apartments that have <laughs> courtyards instead of gyms and dog spas. The demand will be so high that you will make money. That's the bet. Well, there, there's a need for, I mean, like you think yeah. about who lived in Montrose. Oh, no, that, I, that, I like, can definitely just, see the like, need. The people can't afford to live in Montrose. Yeah. And that's, I've lived here for a long time now. And that's who's living here. It's, it's, it's creatives, it's service workers, it's teachers, mm-hmm. it's people that, you know, were living in Montrose five or 10 years ago. And they can't, yeah. a new apartment is like 1800 to $2,000 plus for, you know, a, a class A apartment. So we believe that by de-amenitizing and treating the retail as <laughs> an amenity, like the, the public realm is the <laughs> amenity and the retail is part of the, yeah. the, the public realm. By not having all those fancy things like a dog washing mm-hmm. room and, you know, a spa and a co-working space, we want to build smaller projects like you would see in Mexico City or New Orleans with courtyards and manage them. We're clustering them through the corridor and managing, managing them as, you know, as a neighborhood as opposed to one project. So, so much of what we're spending our, our time on is thinking about parking and parking codes and how, you know, how to create this neighborhood for people that want to be able to rely on micro mobility and live car free if they so choose. All right. I want to close Jeff by getting you to tell me a story that I've heard once already um, about possibly sort of a larger impact that a development like this could have and why it is surprisingly possible here. This made us feel really, made me feel really good about mm-hmm. staying in Houston and getting to do this sort of work here. I was I was in San Francisco with my best friend um, and my brother who lives there, and he owns this yoga studio in the Mission. And his close friend Manny has this super progressive bookstore um, where it's like an activist bookstore with a kitchen run by um, a supportive housing group that has a farm. It's called Manny's, and Manny <laughs> Manny like hosts everyone, <laughs> and yeah, he's like a modern day Harvey Milk and it's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a real activist bookstore. So he had um, Ezra Klein, who's a smart dude. He wrote, he was founder of Vox. Oh, New York Times. I love that podcast. Yeah, he's super uh-huh. smart. And he had just written a book about why America is so divided. Oh, yeah. And he gave a talk. This is like February the 20, you know, 5th, like right before the lockdown, the, 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 the pandemic hit. Before COVID 2020. Yeah. And um, things were like, we, that was right, right when I first saw people wearing masks. It was the last event I went to. So he's giving a talk at Manny's about why America's so divided, pre- 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 presenting his book. And at the end of his talk, somebody raised, um, no, so he, he said that the key to reducing division in America is upzoning. And somebody raised their hand and they were like, what is upzoning? And Ezra Klein said, well, basically, Houston, Texas is the, a model to look at, a city to look at for a city that can figure out how to create inclusive neighborhoods first because Houston has no zoning. So they don't have to change these antiquated zoning laws, which keep rich and poor people from living together, which is key to having, you know, community wealth and equitable neighborhoods. Like they, they just have to figure out how to fix their parking codes. So Houston, (laughs) and so Houston can, can like lead in some ways. Like we have, I mean, we are this diverse city and we're just lacking publicly driven neighborhoods. And we think that, you know, this can be a different sort of template for, you know, a culturally inclusive neighborhood that looks like our city. And that that is our vision. Man, I hope you guys pull this off. 
<laughs> so do we. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Bye, Lisa. Bye. That was Jeffrey Kaplan and Monty Large of the development firm Concept Neighborhood. Now, I am here with producer A.K. Al Moman. A.K., what is going on around Houston today? Hey, Lisa. During the pandemic, a lot of home businesses opened up, and one of them is Milk Mustache, a cookie factory started by mother of four Tracy Jones that has found incredible success in their preservative-free giant six-ounce cookies. Her next step, though, is a brick-and-mortar store located on 1864 Fountain View Road, and the grand opening is today on December 2nd. They will be offering some of their most popular varieties in the 900-square-foot store, such as red velvet cream cheese, Nutella-stuffed sprinkled cookie, and the goat of all cookies, white chocolate macadamia. I mean, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. So if you're just like me and got a massive sweet tooth, the store will open its doors at 10 a.m., Monday through Saturday. That's it for our show today. If you liked what you heard, why don't you tell a friend who likes walkable neighborhoods. Get them to listen to this podcast. We would really appreciate it. Talk to you tomorrow. Now, I am here with develop- <laughs> developer AKL Moment. Hey, you, you like walkable neighborhoods, right? <laughs>